So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast-track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash StarTalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash StarTalk today. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist, and I've got with me co-host Chuck Nice. Hey, hey, Neil. Always good to have you, Chuck. Always good to be here. Oh, wait, tweeting at Chuck Nice Comics. Thank you, sir. Yes, I am. All right. He never says my Twitter handle. I've always, I got to say his Twitter. He never says, that's fine. Fine. I'm just saying, I don't think you have to say it when the person has like 100 million people on Twitter. Like, you know, we have 12 million Twitter followers, then, you know... It's 13 million, but that's uh, fine. No worries. This is a special edition. Uh, I think of it as a special edition of Cosmic Queries. It's a special edition because we have with us someone who is not only the world's expert on this topic, he might be the greatest expert in the universe on this topic. And it's the topic of curing cancer. Wow. Yes, yes. It's, it's a on, big topic. It's a big topic. It's on everyone's mind. And our special guest to help answer these questions on curing cancer, because obviously I have no such expertise, mm. is immunologist Dr. Jim Allison. Jim, welcome to Star Talk. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so you come, you're Skyping into us from where? From my office at, at the Cancer Center in Houston. The Cancer Center in Houston, huge medical complex there, if I if I yeah. memory serves. And you like were just like minutes ago mm-hmm. awarded the 2018 Nobel Prize in Physiology and Medicine. And you're professor and chair at the Department of Immunology at the University of Texas at the MD Anderson Cancer Center. Did I get all those all those titles correct? Yeah, that's correct. All right, excellent. Very excellent. cool. So did they call you in the middle of the night and said you won the Nobel Prize and then you hung up because you thought it was a prank call? Because that's how it happened for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, there's been some buzz the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, my wife says, well, phone, you know, we wake up, look at the clock, say, well, the phone didn't ring. So this next year, I go, okay, this year I got up and uh, she said the phone I guess next year, you know, phone didn't ring. I guess we'll get it next year. Then the phone rang at that instant. <laughs> it was my son, though, <laughs> saying, I just saw on TV that you won the Nobel Prize. And and I said, really? What? You know? And then I looked at my phone buzzed, and there was a call from Sweden on it, what? <laughs> basically. So you, about, my son beat him. You, you found out like through the news, basically, <laughs> not from the actual Nobel committee, but yeah, through the news. Yeah, I don't know what it was. They didn't have my right phone number or something. I don't know, but, but uh, yeah. See, see, they I've never confused. got a Nobel Prize because my phone number is unlisted. <laughs> 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 I better fix that. 
Uh, so again, thanks for. Uh, you, I know you must be swamped with media inquiries and 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 the like. So I'm delighted that you gave this program this this hour of your time. So th- thanks for that. Um, so if you could just lead off by telling us um, what is it that you were recognized for doing? I was recognized for um, developing a way to uh, get the immune system to attack cancer cells, which is something that you know people have been doing for a long time, and it and it's uh, potentially curative in, in many kinds of cancer. So instead of attacking the tumor, which okay. would be the natural first thought, because right. yes. oh that's bad, let's get rid of it, let's attack it, you you came in the back door. Yeah, what we what I did was for. About three decades I've been involved in trying to understand how these cells called T-cells, they're kind of the warriors of the immune system. They go all over your body looking for a virus-infected cell or a tumor or something, and then they deal with it when they see it, usually by killing it. But anyway, we know they could attack, we know they can recognize tumor cells, but getting them to do it effectively wasn't easy. And a lot of tries failed to try to, you know, arm them to go attack the cancer or get them to attack it. But I, but, um, I found a molecule it's called CTLA-4. It doesn't matter what it stands for, but it's it's a molecule that sort of the breaks on the immune system. After T cells get going, they use this as a negative regulator to turn themselves off so they don't hurt you by just continuing to divide, 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 and fill you all up with a particular kind of T cell. And so I had the idea that maybe uh, uh, normally that molecule, the breaks were coming on too early and stopping the T cells from eliminating the cancer. And so I thought, well, let's just dis- disable the brakes temporarily. And sure enough, it works. But just, just for the reason you said, a lot of people have real trouble with it. Because I said, you know, how can you treat cancer by ignoring the cancer? You know, you're not even treating the cancer. You're treating the immune system. No, I, love course, the way, plus, I, love, I love the way you started your answer. You said, I found a molecule. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That happens uh, to you all the time, uh, Chuck. Yes, exactly. Well, it's right. a little smaller. It's a little smaller than what you look at. <laughs> <laughs> so when we see these commercials uh, on television that say uh, this is not a video game and this is not a screensaver, this is an actual cancer cell being attacked by your own immune system. Is that your research that they're yes, referring to? Yes. Wow. That is really impressive. Oh, now, now you only impressed because it was in a commercial. Yeah, because anybody the dude can, just won a Nobel anybody Prize. Anybody can win a Nobel <laughs> Prize, but not everybody can get a commercial on TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, That's very exactly. true. <laughs> yeah. I'm interested because I, I'm I'm familiar with your work because uh, my mother was lost to cancer last year, about a week ago last year. I lost my mom to cancer, um, bone cancer. And so, uh, but the immunotherapy was a little too, she was too advanced and too old, they said. Um, So what are the cancers where your discoveries are most effective? Well, up to now, the most effective one has been melanoma, about 20 metastatic melanoma, which Mm -hmm. when we started working on this, there was no approved treatment. And there'd been no drug that uh, had ever improved survival in a, in a randomized trial. By what I mean is there was no successful treatment. And uh, so that was where the trials with my drug started. Well, they started in mice. One of the things that was lucky, we it worked against all kinds of cancer. But uh, we started in melanoma. And uh, what we know now, that, and it was approved by the FDA in 2011 after a, a lot of trials. But what we know now, actually, about two years ago, there was enough data to have 10 years follow-up data on 5,000 people who had been treated, and 20-something percent, a little over 20 percent, are alive 10 years after a single round of treatment. And so when you add a second drug to it, a drug that was subsequently discovered by Hanjo and uh, his group, who shares the project, that, that response rate goes up to 60 percent. Mm, wow. But... So that's the highest, and, and there's no reason to think that those patients won't be around for 10 years as well. We have to wait and see. We don't know yet, but you know, I'm, I'm hopeful. But it also has been approved by the Food and Drug Administration for uh, lung cancer, kidney cancer, bladder cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma, Merkel cell cancer, head and neck cancer, 
a few others. There's 15 indications that it's been approved for, um, and with varying response rates from from uh, 15 to 50 percent. And uh, so it, it's all over the place. And that, that means that the fact they're approved means any doctor, of course, can prescribe them. Mm -hmm. I just heard you say head and neck cancer, which I've never heard of until this moment. Mm. And that's not brain and throat. That's actually head and no, neck. No, it's, it's, it's from either smoking or human papillomavirus. Ah. Mm -hmm. People that chew tobacco or right. smoke cigars you know, get that a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I, I another quick question just before we go to our fan base, and because that they're the ones that supplied the foundation of questions that is going to make this show. Um, procedurally, if you can demonstrate that something you're working on cures cancer in mice or rats, do you have to have human trials for it to still be approved by the FDA? Yeah, absolutely. When I started on this, a lot of people <clears throat> said to me, well, anybody can cure cancer in mice. Oh, but, wow. That's funny. That is oh, funny. my gosh. Yeah. Uh, doctor, true, by the way, doctor, just so, just so that you know, doctor, we call those haters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those people who need a little education. But, uh, but yeah, you have to have the trials to prove it's safe and, you know, to do efficacy. Yeah, but what uh, it's something that was revealed in, uh, what's that movie, that uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Oh, yeah, in the yeah. Dallas Buyers Club, yeah. the FDA was like the enemy, and then in the end yeah. they said the FDA loosened some rules to get a drug into use even before trials are fully completed. Yeah. Because if I'm about to die, to say, oh, this, might not be, this drug might not be safe for you, but yeah. it could cure me in, entirely, the, the, eff the efficacy of that feels wrong. Yeah, it's a complicated subject. I mean, my brother uh, had metastatic prostate cancer, and, and uh, while we were developing this drug, and and I really wanted to get it to him, but I just couldn't. But the, the reason is that you know the companies that are helped develop it, we we I couldn't develop it by myself. I had to team up with a biotech company to actually make the drug itself, and then they had to to get it approved, do these trials. But, you know, they can only make so much. And if they try it on people outside of a trial and, and hurt them or, or kill them, then that's that ruins the, the drug, you know. So at the risk of, you know, slowing it down, they insist on, on these trials. Right. I think what they've done, though, especially since the issues you're talking about, they've become a lot faster now. So in this class of drugs, they've, they've really greased the rails on it now where, uh, there's enough experience where, you know, if you show a little efficacy, that's good enough. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. they know now about the safety. Yeah, hmm. excellent. Wow. So, Chuck, let's go to our fan base. Okay. So, who do you have? Kyle Ryan Toth uh, from Patreon says this. Along with our search for curing cancer once it forms, are we researching ways to prevent cancer from even developing? In the um, first place. Uh, yes. And um, that, that's, that's a great question, yeah, by yeah. the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we're, we're working on that. Actually, there are some, some vaccines for mm -hmm. HPV-induced cervical cancer, for example, that just a word of wisdom, I think all teenage kids, male and female, need to get that vaccine before they become sexually active because we can completely prevent that disease. Now, the normal kinds of cancer that we're talking about here, you know, like melanoma and stuff like that, it's just it's so hard to predict who's going to respond and, and um uh, you know, what the targets are, the, the immune system just attacks unique stuff in almost every case it's different. There are some hereditary cancers, though, that you might be able to, to vaccinate. People are really giving that a lot of serious consideration now that already have some lesions that may predispose them, and then we can take care of that. So, Jim, is it is it that the um, we have one word to describe all of these kinds of cancers, so we think of them as one monolithic target to attack, but... Yeah. Maybe we need different words for them all so that we can think of them uh, as things that would respond to their own unique solutions. Right. I mean, it used to be it was cancer. And then when we realized there were, we, I'm speaking for the whole field, people realized that, you know, there's skin cancers, breast cancers, you know, mm -hmm. colon cancers. They were named after the, the tissue that they came from. Then the next step was when uh, people that were studying the cancer biology realized that 
the mutations that caused them were, were very different. And then they sort of, they all were differentiated by what the causative gene mutation was that gave rise to them. And if you classify them that way, there's several hundred kinds of Right, cancer. there it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So but, th- but that is the you, trend line. Yeah. Yeah, but when we look at them now, it's, it's sort of, we're broadening it again. We just, I just look at cancers either being immunogenic, meaning they provoke an immune response, or they don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of any individual type of cancer. And just very quickly before we move on, because we're almost out of time for the segment, but I, you mentioned something in a cursory fashion that I think is very important, and I, I just caught the, the, the way you phrased it. Every teenager might want to look into... HPV. Now, is that including men? Because, you know, when when you're a guy and you're 18 and you hear cervical cancer, you're like, I'm good. I'm <laughs> yeah, okay. No. I don't have yeah, to worry no, about you that. You may be good, but the women that you encounter may not be good later on because you, men are asymptomatic. You get it and you pass it, but you never know you had it. And so, you know, men need to get it as well. There you go. So that that was my point, is that this is something that affects everyone. And the vaccine, we know, uh, it leads to the direct prevention of cervical cancer in women because it fights the virus that causes it in, in, in women, correct? Exactly. The immune system destroys the virus before it can do anything. Fantastic. Man. Yo. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, we got to take our first break. You're listening to a special Cosmic Queries edition where we are privileged and honored to have the freshly minted Nobel laureate. Wow. <laughs> that sounds so cool, man. Freshly minted Nobel laureate, Freshly man. minted, right. We, they just made you, doctor. <laughs> Let me take it a stamp me with some. Stamp, stamp, stamp of Dr. Jim Allison from the University of Texas Medical Center in Houston. We'll be This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. We're back, Star Talk. We have with us Dr. Jim Allison, freshly minted Nobel laureate. Sweet. And he took time out of what we know is an oversubscribed day of his mm-hmm. to uh, just share with us his insights on Absolutely. what cancer is and how it works and how 
uh, how we're trying to fight it. And we, it's Cosmic Query, it's so cosmic. keep it going. Here's the next question. Uh, this is from a friend. Hey, Doc, what are you going to do with all that money? <laughs> First, you realize he's got to split that three ways. You realize this. Oh, what? <laughs> That's not right. So whatever the total money is, he gets a fraction of it. Okay. Yeah, let's start there. All right. Okay, Jim, what are you going to do with the money? There's just one other. It's just two ways. Oh, just two ways. Yes. Two ways. Well, the government. The government's the third one, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. Are you telling me that they tax you on your Nobel Prize? That is. That's disgraceful, sir. Disgraceful. (laughs) Okay, so he gets. Half the prize, and then the government gets like the other yeah, half. The other oh, half, half of his half. <laughs> okay, so all right, what are you going to do with the forty dollars and eighty nine cents that you have left? <laughs> well, I'm going to probably give it to give a lot of it to uh, some uh, you know cancer research organizations, and I, I think I need a new suit. <laughs> I, I will let you do that sir. Right? wasn't even serious about the I was jerking around we, this was great to actually learn the, all of this stuff about the Nobel Prize money yeah. alright let's go to a real question as a matter of fact this should have been the first question um, before our Patreon and this is from um, Nyron Reich on Instagram who says what is cancer <laughs> <laughs> it means that, you know, a lot of people may not know exactly what cancer is. Well, I'm not sure we still know exactly what cancer is, but a lot of people have referred to it as sort of a social disease, you know, complex organisms with lots of different kinds of cells, and they've got to play nicely with each other, you know, to grow organs to a certain size and then stop and then be able to heal wounds, but then stop when they time step where they're put and not go someplace else. And so... Cancer is just uh, is, is sort of one description is hyperplasia, meaning starts growing too fast and doesn't stop. But that's basically it's just cells losing the normal controls that, that make them cooperate with all the other cells to make you what you are. And these are your cells. They're not Absolutely. some exterior uh, uh, alien, not alien in a cosmic sense but just foreign 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 it's not just some foreign thing in your body that you could just remove and all is well your body is misbehaving is that a fair way to characterize it yeah your the cells in your body some of your cells in your body are misbehaving and and uh causing damage to the cells around them your body is just by getting too big but in other cases by invading and destroying uh tissues Mm. so Cool. All right. All right. right. Let's move on to uh, Renee Douglas from Pittsburgh, and uh, she wants to know this. If a cure is found, would it cure all cancers, or are there different types of cancers, and would each one need a different cure? Um, And just as a follow-up, is there a means of achieving a universal cure is probably an easier way to put it. Yeah, excellent question. Uh, It used to be that uh, there there were what were called personalized therapies for each patient and uh, you try to figure out where, where the mutation was that was causing the cell to be a cancer cell and those turned out not to be so good at curing cancer because there's so many mutations in a lot of cancer cells is that there is not just one you know you cure you kill all the cells that got one mutation there's ones with others the drug doesn't work anymore you have to keep changing it but one of the beauties of letting the immune system go is and, and and unleashing it to the T cells to attack tumors is they can recognize, you know, many, many of the mutations. So they become a multi, you know, bigger army that could hit a lot, lot more, a lot more targets. And since it's not directed against any specific thing, you know, one of the ideas when I thought of this in, in the mid nineties, I thought, well, this could be a way of treating all cancers. And, you know, that has not been realized. You know, there are limitations that have to do with just the number of mutations and other, other properties of individual cancers. I mean, some like lung cancer, melanoma, bladder, kidney, these can be cured, you know, in a fraction of patients, these can be cured now. But we, and we know from melanoma, where there's the most experience, that over 20% of people are alive 10 years after a single treatment. And uh, that's maybe going up to about 60%. But other ones like glioblastoma, which is what, you know, Senator McCain died of, we just haven't made much progress there. And uh, we're, uh, you know, we're working. My 
my wife, uh, Dr. Pavani Sharma, who's a physician and physician scientist. I'm a scientist, but we're working together in a group called the Immunotherapy Platform here at MD Anderson. And our whole goal is to get cancer cells just from patients, get the tumors and see what's going on in there. You know, what kind of T cells are there? What kind of immune cells are in there? And what's going on in individual kinds of cancers so that we can figure out how to make combinations that'll treat, you know, as many cancers as we can. So I think we're going to eliminate a large fraction of many kinds of cancers, but I don't think it, I don't think I could say see a world where there is no cancer. So you you just created a cancer bank. Is that did, did I characterize that correctly? Basically, yes. Yeah. We store specimens, but we we also study them fresh out of the patients as well. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, that is right. one bank I never want to bank with. <laughs> right. the, the cancer bank. I'm just right. saying. I, right, 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 yeah, right. I'm, I'm happy with my money at Chase. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we'll take things out of that bank. Hopefully, do some good with it. Right, absolutely, go. absolutely. Um, what else you have? Let's go to Ari Maudi or Ari Ari Modi, who says this: uh, Could cancer be cured through any of the breakthroughs achieved from CRISPR, uh, the gene editing? And I'll, I'll just follow that up with: Or uh, was that instrumental in any way in your research, CRISPR and gene editing? Uh, no, it wasn't. Um, Okay, that's the answer. No. Next, next question. <laughs> and there you go, Ari. But as far as it's promised, you know, a lot of people are thinking about it. The problem is, you know, if you can get rid of those genes that are causing the cancer using CRISPR or turn them back to normal, right. problem is it's kind of hard to figure out how to do that because you'd have to do – there are many of them. You'd have to do them all one at a time. Or, right. But if you can figure out a way to – and people are working on this to, you know, change a whole bunch of genes at once, that might, that might work. So there's, a lot, you know, a lot of – it's not here yet, but I'm, I wouldn't rule it out. So, oh. so, so you're not ruling out the the notion that it could be you have to snip out a piece of gene that would be causing cancer, whether or not CRISPR is the actual mm. means by which that would happen. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. That's excellent. Excellent. Good stuff. David Bailey from Facebook wants to know this. There are a lot of claims out there about different superfoods and how they're able to... And he says cure, but that's the claims that are made are not that they cure cancer. However, uh, example, uh, turmeric. Uh, but are there any scientifically validated foods or diets that can help a person who is battling cancer to aid their immune system in the fight? Thank you, David Bailey. What a right. polite question, yeah. David. So it's a food question. Food question. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think people ask me that all the time, and I really can't give you any single answer except to say, do the things your mama told you when you were a kid, you know, <laughs> eat a well-rounded diet, don't smoke, you know, don't lay out in the sun, don't, you know, drink too much, do everything in moderation, mm-hmm. your exercise, right. all that stuff, just stay healthy as you can. Oh, good. Uh, you had a good mom. My mom used to tell me, you're going to die. And, uh, you know, stay in the house. It's crazy out there. You're going to die. So, <laughs> so, no. so, so I, I think uh, – Jim just said that I can stop eating kale. That's what he said. <laughs> I think I heard him say that. Did he say? Eat just a little bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, in moderation. In moderation. You just okay. need a little bit of kale. Remember right. when kale was a garnish? What happened to our society? All right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I can't stand kale. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Jeff Ferris from Facebook wants to know this. It's estimated about one-third of the people who get cancer are genetically predisposed to it. Where are we on the ability to do testing? to predict the outcome and how reliable is the current state of testing is having a genetic marker of 50 percent positive or 70 percent positive a, a good means of being able to tell yeah i'm not sure it's as high as 30 percent a significant number are but but uh, breast cancers for example to some extent ovarian cancer in women can be caused by BRCA mutations mm-hmm. and so uh and by the way, doctor, just for all of those who are unlike me that know exactly what bragging mutations are, what are what are what are those <laughs> mutations that were first found uh, to to the, just by studying backwards that women with breast cancer had very often had this gene. I don't even remember what it stands for, but anyway, this gene called BRCA, breast cancer. Uh, I guess the BRC stands for breast cancer, but but uh, we know now that it's involved in DNA. You know, keeping your genes 
normal, you know. And and if but it means inherited, if a woman inherits one copy from her mom and something happens to the other copy, then you know it could be dangerous. So you know, it's the, something with that. People, women with breast cancer, but in a lot of other kinds of cancer, it's not quite as definitive as that. Prostate cancer, we know that. If you have a brother that got it, you're about twice as likely to get it, but nobody's been able to put their finger on why that is yet. So, I mean, on what part of the genetic uh, yeah. of your genome is then responsible? So, okay. so with the with the BRCA, it's it, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that the first time you have such high level confidence that a person will get cancer that you people are convinced to have preventative surgery? That, that's happening, yes. Right, right. And But there's no other cancer prediction for which that is advised. Is that correct? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, this is Denise Cunningham-Troya, and she says, My five-year-old daughter or granddaughter was diagnosed in May with acute uh, lymphoblastic leukemia uh, P. Uh, since it is generated in the marrow... Is there anything new on the horizon? So are you familiar with this particular cancer and, and any research that uh, might be encouraging? I'm, not a, I'm certainly not an expert on that, that kind of disease, but I can tell you that there is, there is some activity in seeing if these, these uh, checkpoint blockers, as we call them, uh, work in leukemias in adults. And uh, they do in some cases. The, the work's early. It only started a few years ago, but uh, there's, there's some hesitation in, in using them in developing adolescents or younger kids because people are somewhat worried about immunological changes while your body's changing and everything. But I wouldn't be surprised if it gets there uh, sooner or later. Cool. Well, that's encouraging. It's hopeful, there, yeah. There you go. That's uh, very cool. And there's another therapy called CAR T-cell, which is an engineered kind of T-cell that's put back into leukemia patients that might also have some promise. I don't it has been used in kids. All right. So two things to perhaps look forward to. And, of course, we wish Denise and her granddaughter mm-hmm. all the best. Uh, this is Cheryl Squeaker Carter, and she says, is there actually any scientific research being done on cannabis and the effects it has on cancer? Yeah, I think there's quite a bit, but most of it's, you know, is, is giving to what we call palliative care to, to make patients more comfortable, comfortable, less nauseous when they're getting chemotherapy. Um, I don't think there's any evidence that cannabis, you know, it could be used to treat cancer itself. And in fact, you know, if, if smoked, it, it has some of the same carcinogens that actually smoking tobacco, that tobacco has, but at much, much lower levels. So, so. As far as I know, the only thing that's being used for, like I said, is just helping patients feel better. The carcinogenic components, does that, though they're much smaller, does it matter how you ingest the cannabis as and, and what role it could then play in these cancer bits? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's inhaled or, or if you smoke it, it's going to immediately go, you know, into your lungs and, mm-hmm. and then ultimately into the bladder if it's eaten a lot of it gets gets uh, digested away uh, so i don't think i don't think there's any data showing that it has caused cancer i think mm-hmm. uh, that it matters i doubt if it would if it was just you know cookies or something right, right. Hmm. okay <clears throat> or brownies or brownies <laughs> exactly or any number of edibles i'm just saying you know very cool uh, i don't know why but i feel a, a need to buy a ticket to colorado <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, we've got time for one more question in this segment. Okay, okay here we good. go. This is uh, Jan- Daniel uh, Junius, or Junius, wants to know this. Is it plausible to kill cancer with cryosurgery? Ooh. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. And we've done some experiments with that. Uh, Just to be clear, cryo is cold. Freezing, so, yeah, yeah. There's a probe. And it's done, in, it's done in the clinic a lot, particularly in kidney cancer and breast cancer. It's got to be localized, though. But what we, we showed... Uh, in mice, that if you had two tumors on opposite sides of a mouse, you could cure one of them by freezing it, leave the other one alone, but injecting, you know, our drug just after you froze the first one, because that makes them fall apart and, you know, then primes the T cells that will go over and kill the other one. So that's now in clinical trials in uh, kidney cancer and in breast cancer. 
Wow. Oh. That sounds like a military operation. We will conquer this side of the enemy. Yes. We deputize them and <laughs> they become our. Right. <laughs> our zombie army. <laughs> That's what it we is. We created a zombie army <laughs> to go kill cancer. Super cool, man. Whoa. Whoa. All right. So, uh, Jim, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back for our final segment of Star Talk Cosmic Queries. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. We're back for our final segment of Star Talk, Cosmic Queries Edition. I'm with Chuck Nice. That's right. The subject is curing cancer. And we got all up in the face of Dr. Jim Allison. Yes. Yes. He's here with us, here and now. Just won the Nobel Prize in uh, human physiology, one of the categories of the Nobel Prize. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been we've been picking his brain about this with our with our queries. With our queries. So again, Jim, thanks for being on Star Talk and let's continue. What do you have? All right, this is Kyle Coombs from Facebook. And Kyle is from Airdrie, Canada, and says, is there a chance if we never find a cure for the many types of cancers that humans will one day, in a Darwinian sense, evolve out of cancer? So uh, a little awkwardly worded, but what he's saying is, can we evolve? If it's killing us. If it's killing us, can we evolve beyond cancer? Um, kind of like selective breeding, uh, the sense where the small percentage of people who do not develop cancer will be naturally pre-selected to continue propagating the species. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting question. Not yeah. sure if that's your expertise, but... Yeah. Well, evolution is driven by survival of the fittest, you know, so it works on... on develop it once let's put it this way once you've made your children evolution doesn't give a damn about you so there's not a lot of evolutionary pressure to you know so i think childhood cancers and stuff there may be pressure to get rid of but i really don't think that that there's going to be any selection against uh, people that are that are old or the typical age that get cancer because there's just no reason that doesn't make you fitter and re- able to reproduce more. I guess society could change enough where that becomes different, but mm-hmm. biologically, I don't think it would have. Yeah, if you have babies, you know, nature's done with you. Right. Right, you propagated your... your right, because your, that's really what the know, whole thing is about, right? That's what right? the whole it's, thing it's, it's is about. It's all yeah. about sending your DNA into the future. Right, and what happens to you afterwards, no one gives a rat's ass about. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Boy, nature, what a <laughs> cruel mistress she is, huh? <laughs> God. Oh well, well, there you go. That's uh, that was a great question then, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and a, a very disturbing answer. <laughs> All right. Oh, by well, the way, so you know the Darwin Award okay. is given out annually to the person who does something completely stupid and ends up dying for having done so. Right. Okay. It's called the Darwin Award, but you can only get that award if you've died for doing something stupid and have not yet had kids. Right, because then you already sent your stupidity forward. <laughs> then you would have, right. You right. So it's it's calling the herd, uh, as it is, given out every year. There you go. And, and you don't want to ever be a winner of it because it means you're dead. True. FYI. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and stupid. That's stupid. And that's no way to go through life. Dead and stupid. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll take one there. or the other, but not yeah. both. I don't want both. God. <laughs> Okay, Uh, Mohammed Amir from Facebook says, naked mole rats, sharks, and rays have immunity evolved to efficiently resist cancer. How is this possible, and can we use that to our advantage? I know some time ago there was a a great deal of extensive research into uh, broccoli enzymes and and shark DNA, and uh, are, are we still headed down that path, doctor? Well, there's still a lot of studies. I mean, sharks do have a, an immune system, but it's very it's very simple compared to ours. And they, it's true that they don't get cancer very often, but um, I don't think we really understand why that is. I mean, one reason is 
because until recently the ocean was pretty free of carcinogens and right. things. And, and, uh, well, we're so, changing. We're changing that. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're certainly on top of that one. <laughs> wait, wait. I, I, allow me to ask a stupid question. How do we know the cause of death of sharks? <laughs> That's a good question. I have no idea. Who's doing this? Who's? Because it seems to me when you die in the ocean, you are bait and yeah. consumed instantly right. by everybody else within minutes. Right. Yeah. You can't just be laying up there dead. And there are think no, that- there are no shark mummies. <laughs> it's right. Um, I guess occasionally some some wash up on shore or something. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Well, there you have it. All right. uh, what else you got, Muhammad. Jack? Let's move on to uh, Jess uh, Nudalo, who says this. I don't know if this would fall under the topic, but I'd like to go down a different direction and ask if we can take advantage of cancer cells at all. I've heard of the uh, HELA, or H-E-L-A cells, which may be relevant, but can't say that I'm an expert on the subject. Well, thank you for explaining yourself so incredibly detailed. Um, uh, is, Is there a way, is there any time where a cancer cell can be beneficial to the host can that mutation do something good in any way well no but cells but we take cell cancer cells out of patients all the time and use them to study what caused cancer and how they respond to treatments and stuff so so that's what those those hela cells that he's talking about were used for for years and now there's a lot of cell lines like that that are in, in use for research cool okay that's good to know good to know excellent let's go to uh Vasilios. Economo, oh, Iconomitis. Okay. He's Greek. Just, just yeah. going to Greek. Yeah. Feel the Greek in just you. Feel, I'm going to feel the Greek. <laughs> uh, it would be Economitis. 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 See, when you said it was Greek, I, the Greek came out of me. Mm-hmm. Man, look at that. Yeah. Greek Chuck Nice. <laughs> Go. All right. Have there been any advancements in stem cell research that connect to? or better our understanding of cancer research. Stem cells is in all the news yeah, all the that's time. that's all the time. A hot, a hot topic, too. All the rage. Politically charged. Yeah. yeah. Again, there's there's a lot that's being learned from using stem cells to, to figure out how to put in the right genes and have them develop normally. And also, again, to discover things about how they can go awry. Now, as far as how things can go awry, they can become cancer cells, but... So far as as using those to treat cancer in some way again, that's I don't think that anybody would do that. But but they've been very useful in in, in learning, mm-hmm. you know, that's the mechanisms, so the workings of so cells. There seems to be you know two two separate approaches. One is taking these cells and learning, but uh, uh, but the treat or treating and preventing is is kind of in a different area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, I I left out something that's really big that I, I was thinking of the, the, the public perception of stem cells, but leukemias are very often treated by, by with stem cells. The patient's bone marrow, all of their blood producing cells are killed with chemicals and radiation and they're replaced then with stem cells, which grow up and replace all the blood cells. And there's been some thought in, in some other cancers that you could do the same thing. Yes. Yeah, the appropriate, but so far, except for leukemias, that really hasn't gone very far. People have tried it in breast cancer, but but uh, as far as I know, nothing's worked yet. So the answer is yes, yes. but in a in a in a limited way so far. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, it used to be the only way to cure leukemia was by with stem cells. Mm-hmm. Wow! And is that because when they with, with, they're really kind of resetting the entire immune system because they destroy right. everything, right? Kind of go yep. down to like a tabula rasa, and then then in then when you inject those stem cells, you're actually kind of like. Jump start. No, you're jump starting. Yeah, yeah. jump starting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it all starts over and replenishes everything eventually. Mm-hmm. Wow. If you're, lucky, if you're lucky, they got rid of all the cancer cells before. You know what that reminds me of? The poop transplant that they've been doing lately. Do you know about that one? I <laughs> <laughs> By the Look, way, the people I- have chronic digestive problems yeah. and. And they just take, they put somebody else's poop inside of them, and it jumps, it restarts, it restarts. the 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 the, for, the flora, uh, the the, bi- so the biome. So it gives them, gives them a healthy gut biome. Somebody else, yeah, somebody else yeah, has a new start. Absolutely, that that actually works quite well. But yeah. what what the number of groups have found recently, in, in, including uh, Dr. Jennifer Wargo here at 
MD Anderson and melanoma, you can sort of get an idea of whether somebody's going to respond to therapy or not by the kind of bacteria they have in their in their poop, if you will. Mm. And so there's some thought, and we're actually working with, with her a little bit on this, of uh, trying to find out what the real good bacteria are and you know, and giving them to patients while they're getting their immunotherapies. Sounds like some crappy research. <laughs> I, I couldn't help it. I know. Hit me. Go ahead. I deserve it. I deserve okay. it. I deserve it. <laughs> All right. Um, this is Sirius Frost uh, from Twitter. And he says, uh, or she says, because it doesn't give a gender. Uh, do you think that, and this is for both of you guys, I don't know. Uh, do you think that with the recent spate of development in quantum computing, we would see the rise of nanotechnology as a feasible solution to cancer and other ailments uh, reasonably soon. That's, that's hard to say reasonably soon, but. Uh, I just tell you what I know, and I'd be delighted to then defer over, over to Jim. Think about it, if you construct anything, I'm gonna give a, a, a cosmic perspective on this. Okay. If you construct anything, It'll, in the end of the day, it, has, it will relate to uh, what is the size of the thing that your tool can manipulate, mm -hmm. okay? So if it's a brick building, then you have, grab bricks and you put bricks in place, right. okay? But if you want to make something smaller than a brick, then you need a tool that's smaller than the brick holder. You need, like, tweezers, okay? Now, if you want to make something smaller than what tweezers make, you need something than the thing that it is you're making, all right? So if you're going to make molecules... You need tools that are smaller than the molecule to assemble, to build, to, the to, build, to build the molecule. Okay, so there's a quantum tools that have, in fact, one of the Nobel Prizes this year in, in 2018, if I remember the, 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 the bio of it, um, references tools that enable you to manipulate atoms and particles. And if you can do that, if, if the folks in the cancer research say, you know what we need? We need this other molecule in this particular way, in this particular figure, configuration, then I bring in the nano tools, the nano yeah. toolbox. And then, then he's got, then he, then, he could, then he can bring his genius to the problem. Yeah, there are a lot of people working on that, just as you said, because you can make things to deliver drugs you know, with a lot of precision and deliver multiple things at the same time. So there's a, there's a lot of activity there. Some of it looks pretty promising. I'm going to take host privilege and ask the last question. Um, I just happened to be sitting in front of a book written by a colleague of mine. Uh, it's called Cosmic Discovery. Uh, this was published like 30, 40 years ago. But this was very influential on me because as an astrophysicist, I said, I want to, I want to see what he says about discovery. And you read through it, and half the book is a description of how advances in modern astrophysics only came about because of some advance in another field. In particular, physics. The physicist invented some other detector or some other a tool or some other thing. Then it gets applied to our work and then we make discoveries. You were describing using radiation therapy to zap the immune system and jumpstart it. Physicists, you got that from physicists. You guys didn't invent that. We did, okay? So are you... Are you in need of some new physics advance to help you do your work? And can you comment on on the leaps that your field has taken when engineering or other technological advances show up at your doorstep? Yeah. Well, I can say <clears throat> two things about that. One is the technological advances in computation and, and uh, a lot of analytical machines that we use now uh, that are now allowing us to figure stuff out about cancers and what's going on inside them with, with great speed and precision didn't exist four years ago or five four years, years ago. ago. Wow. And so uh, so there's just a lot of effort there. But and, and then imaging too, because we know now that you know it'd be useful often to know what cells next to another one and what's going on. And then uh, um, um, So this is imaging with also, the precision to be able to see that level of detail. Right, right, and then and then I think there are a lot of advances being made in the in the treatment area of really giving more powerful radiation in a more focused uh, way. If we could figure out how to tune that to to really kill just the tumor cells and not surrounding immune tissue or anything, we might that might help help develop really more effective ways. Not not a huge leap, but more effective ways of, of treating cancer. But but certainly the analytical techniques that have come up with are just amazing. Um, there's a, 
something that happens now that we're well, not so much anymore, but in the early days of, of these immune therapy drugs, tumors would sometimes get big really fast. And so the doctors looking at them and the pathologist looking at them would say, wow, your drug isn't curing cancer. It's making them grow faster. Uh, but when you take it out, and cut it open, it'd be full of T cells, you know, but if that tumor's way inside somebody, you can't really do that. So new imaging techniques that would allow us to tell the difference between a cell. There are metabolic ways now of imaging them, but you can't tell the difference between a rapidly dividing T cell and a rapidly dividing cancer cell. So we need something better there to help us diagnose and, and follow disease. So for me, that that's a, a call for funding of research on all frontiers and then yeah. cross-pollinating them so that all can benefit, mm. right? There's none of this, well, let's study this kind of science now, and we'll put right. the other kind of science on hold. You just have no idea at the frontier what the what that uh, cross-benefits might be. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, and, I, and one of the things that I try to do whenever I can is point out that what we found out that, that ended up being the basis of this new therapy, that research had nothing to do with cancer whatsoever. I was doing it because I wanted to know how, how T-cells worked. Wow. And when I figured that out, I kind of scratched my head and went, hey, maybe we can do something, you know, and it works. So, but it wasn't the reason for doing the work. And I, with those who are only listening to that comment, he actually scratched his head on video. Yes, he did. When he said, I'd scratch my head. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got we to gotta wrap this up. Uh, Dr. Jim, it's been a delight to have you on. And congratulations, first, on your research, because that's what matters most. The Nobel Prize is an after-the-fact uh, recognition of it. Um, it's at the end of the day, it's the um, it's your research that'll make the difference in the world, not the fact that you got the Nobel Prize for it. And so I just want to it's thank all, you. It's all those people that are saved now that are the prize, really. Yes, and I want to thank you and your team and others and just the whole enterprise of those who have given their lives to just improve the lives of others. And so, yeah, yes. And uh, although it's a shame that my mom could not benefit from the uh, from the work that you've done and everybody in your field, not just you, it's a collective view. Uh, the beauty of being able to uh, see how the field operates is uh, everything that she went through is going to help somebody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the cool thing about what you do. So thank you. OK, this has been Star Talk. Cosmic Queries Cancer Cure Edition. And Dr. Jim Allison, again, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I've been with my co-host, Chuck Nice. Chuck, wow. always good to have you here. Always good to be here. I am Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. <laughs> <laughs>